HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Today's program was brought to you by Alto Adige Wines, wines from the Italian Alps. For more information, visit altoadigewines.com. Welcome to the Grape Nation, your weekly wine journey. I recently traveled to northern Italy to visit the Alto Adige wine region, also known as Sud Tyrol or South Tyrol, near the Swiss and Austrian borders at the foothills of the Dolomites. The Alto Adige is one of the smallest wine growing regions and has become one of the country's top white wine regions. This unique alpine landscape is ironically kissed by the hot Mediterranean sun in the summer. Many of the vineyards are planted on hills and steep mountainsides, producing high-altitude, fresh and aromatic wines. Along with the wine estates, there are over a dozen cooperatives successfully representing thousands of small wine growers in the region. The focus here is towards quality, not quantity, working with over 20 varietals, including some of the best Pinot Bianco, Pinot Grigio, Sauvignon Blanc, Gewürztraminer, Schiava, and Lagrine that you'll ever taste. We were based out of Bolzano, the largest city of South Tyrol, excuse me, and the capital. We visited, dined, and tasted wine with over a dozen wineries and cooperatives. I will let the wine people of the Alto Adige tell their story. This is a two-part series. On this episode, we'll be talking to Martin Foradori from Jay Hofstadter, Oscar Larandi, Cantina Guerlain, and Wolfgang Klotz, Cantina Tremine. I'd like to thank the EU. This campaign was financed by EU Regulation 1308-2013. I'm your host, Sam Ben Ruby. Stay with us for the Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We bring wine to the people. Welcome to the Grape Nation, your weekly wine journey. We are in the Alto Adige region in northern Italy, also known as Zutro, Tyrol. We'll be touring the entire region and speaking with different wineries. Our guest is Martin Foradori. 
I'm your host, Sam Ben Ruby. Stay with us for the Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We bring wine to the people. Martin Foradori is the proprietor of J. Hofstadter in Termino. Is that correct? Termino in Termina. Italian, but it's more important to say Tramin in German. Oh, okay, so it's the same as Tramin. All right. And Martin is also, and we may get into it, the vice president of the board of directors of the Consorzio Alto Adige Wines. Welcome to the Grape Nation, Martin. Thank you very much. All right. So first of all, just so people, if they close their eyes, can imagine where we are. Where are we? We're in the Alto Adige, which is in the northeastern part of Italy, when you think about it. But in the Alto Adige, where is Hofstadter? Hofstadter... uh is located halfway direction north from Verona to Innsbruck. Okay, Innsbruck, Switzerland. No, Austria. Austria, right, very. And the opposite, halfway direction Verona. So we are south of the Alps in northeast of Italy. Our main city is named Bolzano. And uh, yes, again, we are south of the Alps, but much more important, we are in the middle of the Dolomite Mountains. So you said Bolzano, which is a nice city not far from here, but we were also in Termino or Tramin, which is also a nice little city where you've hung your shingle, right? Oh, yeah. Tramin is, uh, of course, I have to say, living here, I have to say, is one of the most uh, important uh, villages in uh, in Alto Adige or in Südtirol, how we say it to German, because there is a strong connection to the Gewürztraminer variety. So, Tramin... So, let's... I have a whole list of things to ask you, but you kind of fired that shot. So, we are in Tramin... The word tramine is in Gorch Traminer. And I've kind of traveled around for the past few days where people swear Gorch Traminer was born here. You would dispute that, right? No, absolutely. Gorch Traminer is born here. No, it was. Okay. It was. It was. No. <laughs> I uh, forgot. That was awkward. We have, um, I have to say that we have to be uh, that honest that today we have to admit that the hometown or the origin of the Gewürztraminer variety is not out of the village Tramin, but that what we can say is that the name Tramin of the Gewürztraminer variety is coming out of here. And right. it's a fact. It's That's a, fair. Yeah, it's a fact that uh, this variety uh, feels very good here in Alto Adige, and especially uh, in this village. And we're going to talk about your wines in a few minutes, of which Gewürz Traminer is, you know, certainly a specialty. Um, to give our listeners a little context, you are part, and right now you're the patriarch of a multi-generational family that has a long history in this region. Give me a little background. I mean, we could technically do a whole show on the history because it's that rich but just you know give me a chronological line 
So, uh, I'm the fourth generation of the Hofstetter Winery. Uh, obviously, the founder of the winery of the estate was Joseph Hofstetter. Uh, second generation was my grandmother and my grandfather, Konrad and Louise Oberhofer. And Louise was the niece of Joseph Hofstetter. Because I think you said to me, they, you're... What, was it your great-grandparents or didn't have kids, right? Or they didn't have kids, right. exactly. So Maria Maria uh, was the <clears throat> aunt of my grandmother, Louise. And out of this marriage, one daughter. This was my mother, Siglinde. And now it starts to get very complicated because the Hofstetter winery is located in the western part of the Adige Valley. The Adige is the river of the main river of Alto Adige who separates the southern valley in, in Alto Adige. And Hofstetter is on the west. My father or the family of my father had vineyards on the east part of the <laughs> valley and now we are on the third generation this was Paolo Foradori, which is my, or which was my, unfortunately, my father. Unfortunately, I'm sorry. Uh, unfortunately, because he passed right. away. It's he not passed away. Exactly. Father, right. <laughs> but he was a big influence on you. Absolutely. And uh, this is the main reason because still today we are the only family owned uh, property or vineyard or estate in Altuarge who owns vineyard on the east, on the west of this beautiful Adige. Valley. So Hofstetter originally is on the west. The vineyards who brought my father in are on the east. And now we are in the happy position to have uh, vineyards in completely different territories. They are very close, but climatically and uh, from the soil, they are in completely different places. So let me address that. Because I think one of the reasons I'm here is I think the wines are amazing. I think they're underappreciated or undercovered. You know, there are a lot of people in the United States that know about them, but there's that many more that don't. And, you know, I, I, I believe in them. There's a very interesting setup in the Alto Adige, this cooperative consortium thing. There's a dozen cooperatives that represent about 70% of the wine production, you don't fall into that. I mean, I don't know how we title you independent, you know, your own. And you, you make your own wines, not in a cooperative under your own name. We just talked about the generational, you know, aspect of the family. Um, so tell me about the winery. Before I talk about the winery, let me explain. Uh, let me explain this mix of different producers here in Alto Adige. Uh, first of all, we have to say that Alto Adige, generally speaking, is a very small region. So the whole production of Alto Adige is less than one percent of the whole Italian production. And give me that hectare-wise. Uh, it's 5,600 hectares, uh, the total viticulture in Alto Adige. What is like Tuscany for perspective? Oh, my God. I have no idea how much Tuscany is. Over 50,000? 
Maybe a little bit less. Okay. Maybe a so little bit less. But five, seven, eight times. Again, uh, Altoadige is less than one percent of the whole Italian production. So we are somehow uh, nobodies here. And if you split that down, uh, an average property of a viticulture here in Altoadige is less than a hectare. So the average property is, to say it in other words, less than two acres. Right, acre-wise. Exactly. It's, it's, so A the, hectare is a little more than two acres. Exactly. But the owners here are even less than a hectare. Yes, exactly. So the average is two acres of one viticulture in Alto Adige. And uh, that's the reason because on the beginning of the 19th century, this was... Uh, the age when most of the cooperatives were founded here in Alto Adige was that all these small, little, tiny producers decided to get together and make their own business. So today, uh, 70% of the vineyard surface of Alto Adige is managed by co-op. 25% approximately is managed by wineries like my winery, Hofstetter. What means, uh, what means that? We have our own production, production, we have our own vineyards, but we also buy grapes from farmers from the village where the winery is based or, and also from the surrounding villages. And then, last but not least, we have approximately 5% of independent little wine growers who make wine out of their vineyards and, of course, sell it. Um, which we'll get into that a little um, before we get into that, I don't want to um, get by the fact, because you and I have spent a lot of time off air talking about this. You are on the board of directors of the Consorzio. There's a Consorzio for the Alto Adige wines. Um, and you, you know, have devoted and donated your time to that. Um, I mean, my first, I mean, of course, what do you do? But my first question really is, um, do you think the wines of the Alto Adige are getting the recognition they deserve? Now, I'll answer the first part of that question. This is a great tourism area. This is a loyal wine market. So a lot of the consumption is here. But the quality of the wines are so good. Do you feel they're getting the exposure, recognition, and even the distribution? beyond is that even important or you know whoever you sell a wine to is a sold wine hmm. that's a very difficult that's a very difficult question uh, thank god we have i don't know how many millions of tourists here in our region who of course uh drink a lot of uh, our wines and uh, yeah that's good um on the other side uh we are a small area uh, which is so small that we are probably around the globus, around the world, not recognized as an area because we don't have that quantity of bottles to sell. So uh, to say this in other words, we, has, we have no uh, critic mass of wine to spread out in the world, to be recognized as uh, an area. 
So we are an area for specialists. We are an area for consumers who are looking for wines from little tiny areas. And of course, I have to say that, but Astuadege is one of the most interesting areas that we have in Italy because we are in the middle the Dolomite Mountains. We are south of the Alps. Our vineyards are surrounded are surrounded by huge and high mountains, who of course influence uh, influence uh, our wines. We have the acidity. We have the freshness uh, in our wines. And yes, if you put all these things together, we have such so many different microclimas which uh, allows us to make high quality wines with a bunch of great varieties so back to what we were originally talking about it's sheer size and production you just alluded to quality and you know the qualities and aspects of the wine but at 5,800 acres and the amount of wine you produce, you know, you, you take it only so far because you only make so much, fair to say. So you, I, I guess you have to live with that. But are there ways or do you want to expand the awareness? I mean, to the tourists that come in, do you want them to take more wine home? You know, are you doing a good enough job in Germany or the Netherlands or, you know, that's all fine. Um... I'm sure that uh, all the producers here in Alto Arige, we cannot expand our business in making more bottles. Period. That's, uh, that's impossible because the, the land that Alto Arige generally offers is that what it is. Right. And it's already covered or with uh, vines or in the flatter part of the valley with apple trees. So that's it. Right, a lot of apple trees. And the only escape to be recognized uh, even more that we are right now is to increase to increase our quality. And uh, I can proudly proudly announce now that uh, recently we got the seal of approval from the Ministry of Agriculture from Rome for our zonation in Alto Arige. Uh, let me explain let me explain the zonation uh, it's somehow that what in Burgundy in Bordeaux and in Germany is normal meaning that every vineyard has his proper name every uh, single vineyard has his uh, difference in terms of microclimate and uh, terroir and it's named after this this is something that in future we will have in Alto Adige in Alto Adige too is that like in the United States would you compare that to like an AVA or not exactly it's somehow an AVA. We but go, different because it's a different six. We go a little bit more, more in detail. So okay. uh, an AVA in the United States is comparable here in, in Alto Adige, like the appellation, the DOC appellation, Alto right. Adige. And the zonation is uh, 
specific piece of land, a specific piece of a geographic area into this AVA. And varietals or a designated amount of varietals or no? <laughs> now it starts to get complicated. Oh boy. <laughs> it starts to get complicated because uh, I already explained that we have many different microclimates here and different exposure uh, in Altoarege. This is also the reason because we have 20 plus varieties here. Because believe it or not, the microclimate, the soil is changing from one hill to the other. So this uh, somehow uh, we are forced to work with many different varieties. But that what we did in our uh, zonation is that uh, according to our uh, decade of experience with uh, certain microclimates, we defined the varieties which we allow to plant in future in this single zonation. So this means that from 20 plus variety in the new zonations, the viticultors or the, are allowed to plant a maximum of five different varieties. But let me explain this better. This doesn't mean that those five varieties are the same in every zonation in Alto Adige. No, it's a maximum of five varieties out of the bunch of 20 allowed varieties in Alto Adige, which are different from one zonation to the other. Because of soil, climate, exposure, all those, right? Absolutely. Yeah. But five is absolutely... The five that makes sense to that particular area or plot, right? Absolutely. And uh, five is the absolute <clears throat> maximum. Personally, and this is my private point of view, my dream is to have one zonation and one variety. This is the maximum. But historically, uh, cutting. Wait, so you're saying if you determined an area, a zonation, that one zonation would concentrate or commit to one varietal? Exactly. So... Pinot Noir in an area where Pinot Noir would thrive, that would be the zonation. That would make you the happiest. Exactly. That's, that that's, sounds that's like, my dream. That sounds like the purest way to do it. I'm not sure it's the most realistic, but... Politically, of course, it's not the most realistic because uh, somehow we have to deal with the past. Right. But... Cutting down the possibilities from 20 plus varieties down to five, this is a big step in the direction future sure. for me. So uh, even that in Astrology, we have uh, an incredible high quality of the wine still today, uh, allowing in the single zonation, not to work only with a bunch of grape varieties will increase the quality, uh, I don't know how, multiple times. Uh, of course, this doesn't happen from today to tomorrow. Right. This will be the work of the minimum next 30 years. That's if people commit to going in that direction. I mean, do you feel that the commitment is there? Yes. Okay. That's that's the only way, as I was explaining before, how Alto Arege can uh, even more be recognized internationally. 
So being on the consorzio, you sense that people are understanding that and buying into it? That in time, we're talking about not tomorrow, but in time, that's the direction? Uh, one of the one of the reasons because we did this zonation officially was that in the last twenty years uh, we had more and more labels with specific geographic names on it, and uh, to so it's use, moving in that direction. Yes, exactly. Right. But with with the zonation, we didn't invent it, uh, the wheel. We didn't invent it, the 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 warm or the hot. You want to make the it hot better. water. We only uh, uh, took something that was completely normal north of the Alps, which was completely normal in, Fra in France, which was normal in Austria and uh, in Germany, for example, and. Uh, with Piemonte, who did uh, recently a uh, specific zonation too, we were one of the areas who who did a step in this in this direction. And as I can judge, there are many other Italian wine regions who are following uh, this direction too, too, to doing their zonations too. That's good. Um, let's talk about your wines, the vineyards, philosophy. Um, you know, let's get specifically into what you're doing. Um, you are a big believer of place, right? You know, there's, to you, there's a proper interaction of the grape variety and the location. Agree? Agree. Um, and I think in many different ways you've done that with the vinya, you know, how you look at each vineyard and all that. Um, so let's talk about the vineyards first, um, and let's, because we're Alto Adige, let's stick to Rule Terrible. <laughs> Just remind me, all right? Um, you, we were talking downstairs. I mean, you have four or five vineyards in the Alto Adige around Termino and all of that, but they, they all, you know, vary, which gives you the diversity, which is really a palette to do all the things that you want. You know, let's talk about some of the vineyards. We were, where were we before? Kolbenhofer? At the Kolbenhofer estate. So my property is uh, split out on the east, on the west part of the valley, as I already mentioned. And uh, probably to, to who is listening this podcast, uh, what means east and west uh, translated into terroir, translated into microclima in the western part of the valley. We have approximately 1,000 hours of sun more on an average of a year than the east. So in a very small space, of territory, we have completely different microclimate. And this is what makes my, my, my job, uh, my profession so, so interesting. So we own vineyards in the warmer spot of the valley where we concentrate on, for example, on the Gewürztraminer variety, but also on the Lagrine. And then on the eastern part of the valley, 
we have also historically a very strong tradition to the Pinot Noir or the Pinot Nero or Blauburgunder, how we say in German uh, here, to this variety. This means that we can offer or we have different seeds who offer the best conditions to certain varieties like Gewürztraminer, like Pinot Nero, like Lagrain, like Sauvignon Blanc, for example. We were standing in Kolbenhofer and you were talking about that thousand hour differentiation and we were looking out and it wasn't like it was a zillion miles away. It was right over there. I mean, it was, it was fairly close. So, and you were saying that the soil here is different than the soil. So the diversity um, is unbelievable, which, you know, gives you all the... Um, the opportunity. So when you farm, tell me farming philosophies, you know, practice as far as what you do out there. Let's start, because you mentioned earlier, let's start with your own farms and then you work with other farmers, you know, so what do you demand of them? But it seems like everyone here farms thoughtfully. We don't have to throw terms around like organics, biodynamics, even though there are people doing that. <coughs> Of course, we have organic, we have biodynamic uh, also here uh, in Alto Adige. But uh, I can say that all the growers here in Alto Adige are very conscious about what uh, they are doing. Um, they are knowing or everybody here is knowing that we are uh, covering only a certain time frame and have to uh, have to pass uh, our property to the next generation. And uh, for, for this reason, we are uh, very conscious about that what uh, we are doing. And to come back to the work of the Consortio, um, we have a very collective uh, work together how to work as organic as possible. Uh, because it's right. Because it's right. Because, again, we have to preserve that little piece of land uh, that we uh, have, not only in property, but also Alto Arige, generally speaking, is a small piece. That your grandkid may run through. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully. And I want to give my grandkids, uh, let me say, a healthy piece of land uh, in, uh, in their hand. And so to come back to the, to the consortium, we have a program which is called the Agenda 2030, where uh, all collectively together we are getting as green as possible. I know that the, the, the word green is uh, a big, a big wide, word. and a big and a wide, uh, the big wide word. But uh, f when it comes, for example, to herbicides, no, there is no reason to use to use them uh, in future for the whole territory. And everybody, for example, is conscious uh, conscious about that. If then a producer uh, wants to follow the moon or or other stuff, he is he is free to he is free to do Fill it. Fill up cow horns. Exactly, he is free uh, to do it. Um, but I'm quite happy <clears throat> for that. What the consortium generally wants uh, that happens for the whole region in future, and. 
it's not something you're dictating as much. It's the way everyone feels. It's just keeping everyone on the same page and continuing to move in the right direction, right? There are certain programs uh, when it comes uh, for the pricing of the grapes, for example, that certain producers are giving giving an extra money to to their growers if they uh, don't use herbicides. Incentivizing. Uh, uh, exactly, uh, for, for example. But I think that today the, the young generation, everybody is conscious right. that... Uh, the way where we should they're go. they're dictating the market exactly. to some extent yeah. um so we talked about farming for you do those practices translate into the cellar you know as far the, the best wines are made out in the vineyard but when you get to the cellar i mean are are would you say you're a low interventionist <sighs> Uh, is that the I, I right know. question or no 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 but I, I i'm 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 repeating only that what probably thousands and thousands of wine growers said before me which is the miracle happens in the vineyard that's why I, I set it up that way <laughs> exactly and so there I, isn't much you in, want in or have to do uh in the cellar an, an analogist uh just can somehow destroy what he gets from the field. So our philosophy here uh, together, uh, also with my analogist Marcus, who is 20 plus years, who works uh, for me in the winery is, less you do, better it is. I like to hear that. Or to say it in, in more more American English words, uh, minimum intervention. Okay, <laughs> that's a popular um, way to put it, but yeah. it's 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 legit, so that's fine. Um, it's nice to hear that. Let's talk about the wines. Um, you know, I had the uh, pleasure of tasting through, Jesus, more than a half a dozen wines um, with you. Um, you make multi-levels of wines is it three i'm i'm not sure um along with your whites you know you focus on reds i mean you i would say you are a pinot noir specialist um so you make a classic line of wines which are more accessible um would you say the next level is selection and then vina i mean tell me Tell me, you know, about the wines that you're making and, and the palate that it gives you. Probably compared to the size of my estate of my wineries, uh, I have probably the most the, or the smallest range of wines. Or, range of varietals? No. <laughs> Within the varietals, range, range, you're right. Range of varietals. Okay. I love to go into into details. So I have uh, twenty different labels, but out of these twenty labels, right now I have four pinots. I have four selections of Gewürztraminer. I have three selections uh, of Lagrine. So that's more than 50, that's 60% of the 20 selections focusing on three varietals exactly. is what you're saying. And I love to go into details. Uh, you talked about the term vigna before. 
Vinya means uh, the the vineyard or the parcel uh, translated from the Italian. So um, it's a designate, exactly to that, to that parcel. Yes, exactly, yeah. and which is unusual for Alto Adige because of all the co-ops and small hectare landowners, right? I would say that's unusual, uh, not common for Italy too, even if the vigna classification is an Italian law. Right. Uh, not vigna, a regional law. Exactly. A country law. Exactly. And yeah. vigna, uh, translated in, into easy words, comes very close to the term crew. Means that from year to year, a specific wine comes out from the same parcel. So it's very terroir-driven, uh, the term vinya. It's not a wine with a fantasy name. It's not a high-quality wine, which is a blend of several different parcels. A wine which is named after a specific vinya is a wine who shows its terroir in good years and in less good years. That's what I said earlier. You are a believer of place. The wine will show its place regardless of the vintage, the weather, whatever. I was mentioning uh, earlier uh, this day that uh, the best picture, the best paint, what I have uh, in my house is the mapping of the Burgundy parcels. Right. That brings it to the point. It's crazy. Uh, I love Burgundy, of course, as a Pinot Noir, uh, somehow driven uh, wineries. I go there multiple times a year. And it's always so exciting, so exciting to taste uh, Pinots from different parcels. Even they are touching each other. Are there any correlations or it's just two different worlds? Two, oh, absolutely two different, two different words, but tasting the same variety out from two parcels, which are uh, connected by a border and having two different, uh, different types of wine in the glass, that, that's exciting. And that's what I want to transmit, or that's what I am doing with my vinya selection out of the same property. This means same property, but separately vinification of the single parcels. And if you sit down with multiple vintages, same parcel, different vintages, you're able to, you know, assess the wine through the vintage and everything because it's the same place, um, which I think is terrific. Um, you make, what, about nine plus vineyard selections? Uh, at the moment, I do... The Vigna Kolbenhof, which is the Gewürztraminer, the Vigna Steinrafter de la Grain, the Oberkerschbaum Vigna Sauvignon, then the Vigna Santurbano and Vigna Roccolo, both uh, Pinot, and then I do the Vigna San Michele, uh, the Vigna San Michele for the Pinot Bianco, and the Vigna Pirschreit for the Gewürztraminer. I can proudly announce that uh, if Everything goes in the way how I expected. In 2025, I can present two other vineyards 
out from the variety Pinot Noir, out from the estate Barteneau. So uh, with the Vigna Santurbano and the Vigna Roccolo, uh, I will have two other separately vinified vinyas of Pinot that, Noir. That's exciting. So I think I count that puts it up to 10. So that's something to look forward to, but also the other vinyas are something to look for. All right, Martin, we have to wrap up. Um, you and I are having too much fun. Last thing, I'm asking everyone this. What makes the wines of Alto Adige so special? Ha! Huh. Alto Adige, I keep saying Adige. Let me answer in that way. We are four-dimension wine-growing area. First dimension is east and on the west side of the valley vineyards. The second dimension is the different altitudes. We start to grow vineyards at 200 meters over the sea level and we go up a thousand and plus meters over the sea level. There is a soil difference between east and west. That's the third dimension. And the fourth dimension is even on the same side of the valley, depending where the hill is facing, we have a different microclimate. This makes Alto Adige so unique. Which is, so you're talking diversity, as we mentioned, in not the largest area in 5,800 hectares. I mean, it's very interesting. I want to remind you that at lunch I asked you the same question and you answered it with two words, freshness and acidity. I am happy that you, which you will still agree to, but I'm happy that you expanded on it because there are not a lot of places in such a small area that show that diversity and thank god the winemakers express that right absolutely but uh if you put this four dimension together uh thank god especially in these times of global warming we have still this strong influence of the temperature and the, the, sorry, uh, we have this uh, strong uh, influence of the mountains who refresh our vineyards, who refresh our grapes and keep the acidity. That's very important. Right. And that's very distinctive about Alto Adige. Yeah, I think you'll taste that in all the wines. All right, Martin, we got to go. I want to thank our guest, Martin Foradori, Jay Hofstadter, for joining us on the Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. Um, thank you for listening. Welcome to the Grape Nation, your weekly wine journey. We are in the Alto Adige region in northern Italy, also known as Zoo Tyrol. We'll be touring the entire region and speaking with different wineries. Our guest is Oscar Lorandi from Cantina Guerlain. I'm your host, Sam Ben Ruby. Stay with us for the Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We bring wine to the people. Oscar Lorandi is the chairman of Cantina Guerlain, a cooperative of winemakers. Um, is it the Ultra Adige Bassa Atacina region? That's uh, a great pronunciation. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, in Alto Adige. Yeah. All right. So, Oscar, welcome to the Great Nation. Yeah. Hi. Thank you for sitting down with us. Yeah. Um, so we're at Cantina Guerlain, uh, which is a cooperative. Yeah. You are the chairman. Yeah. So before you tell me a little about the uh, cantina, tell me a little about you. About you know, me, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you got here, what, two, three years ago? Yeah, at first I would like to thank you for having me here. <laughs> thank you everybody. for having yeah. me. Yeah. 
and, and compliments for your great pronunciation. Thank you. <laughs> in the intro. I was, was looking was, in the, practice looking in the mirror. Great. <laughs> everything was perfect, yeah. Now, it's a pleasure having you here at Cantina Girlan and uh, that you give us this opportunity. That's great. So my name is Oscar Lorandi and I'm the current president of the Cantina Girlan. And, uh, but I have been working in the cantina since 2008. At Guerlain. At Guerlain, okay. yes, since 2008, yeah. That's, that's and, a while. Yeah, and uh, when I started there, I was the sales manager and market manager. Then after a couple of years, I was appointed as a chairman. And since 2021, I was appointed uh, president of the Cantina Guerlain. Yeah. Okay. So, I'm right, so, you know, we've spoken to winemakers. We've yeah. spoken to salespeople. Yeah. You know, we, we've roamed the property and talked yeah. all the tasting rooms. Yeah. What's the role of the chairman? The role of the chairman, yeah. That's would, <laughs> would it be easier yeah. to maybe for you to describe what a co-op in the Alto Adige is? Yeah. So, and then you oversee that because there's more course. moving parts than just the winery. That's exactly, yes. I mean, the co-ops in the Altoise, they have a great history back in the days. I mean, the first co-ops, they have been founded approximately uh, in the mid of the 18th century. We have approximately 5,300 uh, wine growers. So it's their very... So you have members or whatever you call yeah. them that are basically a little more than a hectare exactly. per owner. Exactly. And the co-op gives them exactly. the opportunity. Exactly. exactly. All right. So, so you have to oversee everything, obviously. Is I have chairman. to see, yes, over everything. And uh, that's, that's a, a great job because uh, you can go uh, with your own. I mean, you have some goals, you know, right. and you have some visions. And this part, you have to combine it with your team who is working in the winery. So and let's talk about the yeah, team for a yeah, second. Yeah. There's, there's many people, but many there's people. a hand. There's your winemaker, there's sales. Yeah, I think you you that, know, tell me the key I roles think that, the that you're interacting exactly. with. Exactly. I mean, the president is very important, but I think that the most important uh, person in the winery or in the co-op is the winemaker. You know? Because the winemaker, it's not just that he's making the wines. He has the relationship with every single wine grower. You know? Him more than anyone? So exactly. He's the touch point He's the touch point. to all your He's the touch members. Point. He's the touch yeah. point. And it's not easy to handle. For example, our co-op, uh, we uh, run about 200, and 200 hectares, 200, uh, sorry, 220 hectares, <laughs> and we have uh, 200 members. So It's a lot of personalities. Yeah, you have to, yeah personalities, yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and to keep everything together and to go everybody to the same direction it's not that easy so right yeah. and that falls more on him as far it falls as more on him and in, in in my position as well it's a teamwork you know right it's, it's a teamwork yes. right um the cantina yeah sets up guidelines yeah that you and the winemaker obviously are involved with yeah. that the members yeah. have to follow. Yeah. Conform to. Yes, conform. They have and, to, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about that. There's, I guess, at least two, three important areas. There's yeah. the farming. There's the winemaking. Yeah. yeah. Um, production or whatever. Exactly. I mean, yeah. what do you demand of everyone? Well, I think the most important thing is obviously the farming. 
because if you get high quality grapes into the uh, wine cellar, you can make great wines. Starts in the field. It starts in the field, everything. And I think that in the past 10, 20 years, uh, there is a, a, a great revolution about that because there is a new generation. We put more attention of the, in the sustainability, sustainability, of course, right. yeah. And I think that uh, the next years, the next five, 10 years will be very challenging. So talk to me about yeah. sustainability, yeah. Yeah. okay? Yeah. Sustainability cuts a lot of different ways. You know, the, the, your carbon footprint. There's a big You know, how you handle your garden. <laughs> but let's stay in the field. That's, I mean, talk to me about treatments in the field. Yeah, I, the, I see there's a lot of cover crop and grass. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you're not tilling. Yeah. I mean, are we using herbicides or? Well, I have to be honest, uh, we are not 100% free of herbicides. Okay. I mean, I'm a very honest guy, you know. So. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, <laughs> I it's there, yes, so why hide it? But you have to know that uh, herbicides that we use nowadays are not that damaged that uh, we used 10 years or 20 years ago. Right. But I have to say, honestly, that 95% of our area is uh, herbicide-free. So Is that because of climate and location, exactly. sun, exactly. wind? Exactly, So you're not troubled with yeah. but, moisture? But it is our aim to have 100% without right. herbicides. Right. That's, that's, it's our aim, it's our goal, and we have to pursue that. Isn't it fair to say that yeah. because most of the vineyards are literally families, family members? Exactly. Their kids are running around. I, they don't it. want these kids running in like sprayed fields. <laughs> no, no, right? no, no, no. That's, that's, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But uh, nowadays, I mean, um, that every single uh, winery makes his own program is quite impossible. Because you have seen, you have traveled now in the past days through our vineyards. We are all nearby, all together. I mean, so it's, it's a sustainability program that has to uh, follow the entire area. So all the advisor has to do the same thing. So right. and it's, we have an agenda. It's, 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 it's the exactly. co-op plan. It's a co-op plan. It's not a co-op plan. It's an advisor plan. Okay, so, we have so it's, a, it's bigger than It's that. bigger. We have to. We so have all to. the co-ops have to abide by we the Alto yeah. plan. Right. This, this is the future, yes. Right. Yes. Um, so it's, it's thoughtful winemaking. You yeah. know, we won't say it's organic or natural, no, but it's, no. it's, it's very thoughtful in that sense. Exactly, exactly. You know? exactly. Um, what about... Like yields, I mean, you inform the farmers, you yeah, know, you, how much they yeah. should pick, pull out of each that's, varietal. That's a good question because normally the cops uh, in the past they paid just with uh, the sugar and with the weight. So ah, these are the that's past That's not going to work. That's not going to work. Yeah, no, that's not going to work. So we pay our our mangoes because we have very low yield, very low yield. So we pay our our our, our members by the quality. And obviously for us, it was a big investment at, at the beginning, because if you ask for a lower yield, you have to sell a little bit more, uh, not cheaper, what's the opposite? Expensive. Expensive, exactly. Right, so he exactly. is rewarded for the exactly. quality, not exactly. just the volume. Exactly, right. exactly. Right, so you encourage. Yes, but it's not just our thinking, it's the thinking of the entire, uh, entire area of the Alto Alger. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right, which um, I think is pretty consistent. Yeah. Now, what about when we move into the cellar? Cellar yeah. practices are low intervention. I yes, mean, low intervention. You're, you're yes. basically doing it in the field like we discussed. Exactly. And now you're exactly. just making wine. You're not manipulating yeah, no. the no, wine. No, no, obviously no, no. Right. If you drink a wine for our production, you have no head head. So. <laughs> right. Um, because the 
the members are so spread out. I mean, is there any input from them about winemaking style? Or they basically no, 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 yield no, no, no. all the responsibility? No, no, no. <coughs> I think that uh, you have to know that uh, to grow with quality and to give some enthusiasm to our wine growers, we have to take them as well into the winery. Not just when they bring us the grapes, but our winemaker use normally once a year, twice a year, not with every member, obviously, but there is a, a small group where he makes the wine tastings from the different uh, crews, from the different um, production zones, etc., etc. So they see how their intervention in the wine field, right. the result. It gets them exactly. aware it's, or it's, involved. It, exactly, or exactly. And we start this many years ago, about 10, 15 years, uh, uh, 10, 15 years ago, to involve their, them more with us, with the work. So they have more participation too. Right, yeah? which is what it's all yeah, about. Yeah, it's, it's all about, yeah. Um, we were talking offline before yeah. <clears throat> how you're pretty lucky. Your winemaker's been here 17 years. Yeah, and when you talk about years. relationships with yeah. the growers, and, yeah. you know, I mean, that... That has a lot to do with what yes. consistency, relationships. Tell yeah. me how important that is. Well, you have to know our winemaker. His name is Gerhard Kofler. Uh, he, he's uh, indigenous. He's <laughs> right. From, he's from the village of. of, of There's of actually <laughs> roots growing out of exactly. his feet exactly. into the ground. And he's not a, a, a typical winemaker because. In what uh, sense? In that you can't see him from April till June. You see, you, you can't see him in, in, in the winery. He's outside in the field every day, and he's just because uh, that's where the good wine is. Exactly. Made, so, yeah. he, has, he has his uh, quote, and he starts in the seven past three in the morning, <laughs> and runs all the two hundred and twenty hectares, and that's the most important thing. Yeah. Right. That's the most important thing because we do not want to work with some uh, yeah outside uh, wine grower assistant. Well, or, that and exactly. He, even if he decides to retire one day, you have to start with a new guy with new Obviously, relationships. Yes, yes. Well, uh, we have a good uh, we have a good team. Staff. In, in, yeah, we have a good staff. We have a good staff. Yeah. Crew. That's good to hear that. Yeah. Um, is that typical? I mean, the winemakers at the other co-ops, do they have the kind of time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a lot mean, of the winemakers yes. have been around. There are some changes, but uh, I think all the co-ops that have success in the past years, if you look into their organization, uh, you see, you find out that the wine grower is there, uh, sorry, the winemaker is there since 15, 20, 25 really? years. Okay. Yeah. Um, yes, because every every winemaker has his own, own stylistic, has his own thinking, right. his own Right. Philosophy. Yeah? If a new guy comes in, he may look changes, to change. Yeah, yeah. And you if know, you have a lot of changes. Mm, change is hard. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's good, but Sometimes even good, good is hard. So that's um, exactly. Yeah. When you go back to the uh, the growers, yeah. I mean, are we seeing generational change? I would think yeah. that people have yeah. been in yeah. the area, yeah. uh, the valley forever, and now um, kids, yeah. whatever. I, I mean... Is it typical to want to stay with it and continue to yes, grow? Yes, yes, yes. It's not yes. like let me just sell this no. and go to New York. No, 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 no. There's a good legacy, and and I mean, uh, Altuazi has a very interesting history. It sounds like a culture that people. That's don't a culture. Wanna... Yes, we love our, our our territory, and 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 I mean, we have a strong relationship to our to our country, to our to our uh, to our region. Yeah, so there's a lot of love behind there. It's uh, it's unique. It's like a mission, huh? you know? Yeah, because if you look at Burgundy, you see how all the parcels have been broken up from families, yeah, yeah. you know, no, leaving no. and all no, that. No, That's no, not no, really no. happening no, here. No, no, no. Um, 
All right, let's talk about the wines a little. Yeah. Um, I'm just drinking water now. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> so certainly you're known for your uh, white wines, but I think a real intent and effort has been made towards Pinot Noir. Is yeah. that fair to say and if, ask about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 uh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, Artuaggio is well known for his white wines, yeah. especially for the domestic market in Italy. Yeah. So we produce about uh, 65% whites and 35% uh-huh. red wines in the Artuaggio. And in Italy, I think that we are known as the high-end quality region for white wines. Yes. That's, that's so far. I think the critics yeah, yeah, that's will... Say that yeah, through and through yeah. with and, no interruption yeah, towards and, quality. And, and, and our fortune is that we can work with several several grape varietals. So we have aromatic white wines, non-aromatic white wines. So there's a l- large quantity of 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 um, grape varietals. But but I think that in the future the Altoage will have a strong uh, position in the red wines, and especially with the Pinot Noir and well, let's say with the Fernatch, which is our uh, autochthon grape varietal, which right. is quite complicated, but I think there will be a renaissance because the typicity of that grape varietal is very unique and modern nowadays. Right. So light tannins, very fruity, easy to drink. So it's, it's I would say, a, a, a very, very the nice. The market exactly. is, is shifting a little yeah. towards that younger exactly. drinkers. But obviously with Pinot Noir, I mean, it's an international grape varietal. And we are very lucky in in, uh, in the Cantina Girland because we run now about approximately 43, 45 hectares on Pinot Noir. Which increased dramatically, dramatically through in the, the past, past 20 five, years. 10, 20 yeah. years. Yes, yeah. yes. When I uh, arrived in the winery, we run about 20 hectares. So mm-hmm. my person and the winemaker, we have seen this opportunity to put our forces and our, yeah, and our, and our but work. You said you're making yeah. a move towards... Red wines. Yeah. What's what? What is the impetus? Is the market demanding it? Do you feel you can create the quality and create the market? I think. I mean, why are you going in that direction? I think that we have one of the best sites for Pinot Noir in the Altoizer, the Cantina Giller. So yeah, that creates yes, obviously. a want to. We, yes, we are not going uh, behind a, 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 how you can see um, a trend or because there is a demand on the market. No, because we have good, high-quality Pinot Noirs. And we see our, our, our force there. We see our potentiality there. For example, there is another great grape varietal in Artoise, which is called Lagrain. Right. But well, L-A-G-R-E-I-I-N. Yes, right. well, quite it's difficult. Lagrain. <laughs> Lagrain, exactly. Yeah. That's a lighter one. Exactly. But where we have our, our, our vineyards, uh, it's not ideal for Lagrain. So, so you focus on Pinot. We focus on Pinot, exactly. So, so let, let's talk about that because yeah. it's fair to say you're growing most of your grapes yeah. in three regions. Guerlain. Well, uh, mostly in Guerlain, yeah, exactly. And then there's... In the Bassatezina, is right, like Matzon. Matzon and Pinzon. Exactly. Oh, well, right. You're well informed. So that's <laughs> southeast of here? That's southeast so from here, yeah, what's exactly. What's growing there? Is that we in in, in Pinson and Matson we run just only Pinot Noir. That's Pinot Noir. That's Pinot Noir. Yes. So is that are those growers that have been with the co-op for a long time? Yes. Or? So from the mid of eighties. Okay. From the mid of eighties. Yeah. And and the high percentage you said of what they're growing is, is yeah. Pinot Noir. Pinot Noir. Well, 
at that days, it was not like this situation. Uh, our wine growers has made uh, good work and with our wine growers. So they, because we used to have their Gewürztraminer, we had some Sauvignon, and but uh, the area was just uh, ideal for Pinot Noir. So we have replanted and, and for this we grow with the Pinot Noir in the past years, yeah. So the co-op is making an effort to bring yes. back historically important exactly. grapes. Exactly. So that means more planting of Vernatch. Exactly. No, well, well Vernatch, not, not, not Pino more planting. Bianco or well, Pinot Bianco, it's, it's, I think that we have reached the peak. Of, you have? Yeah, I think so, yeah. So the growth is Pinot Noir? Yeah, it's, it's Pinot Noir, I think, that where we can have some. And, so, and Chardonnay as well. Chardonnay, we see a, a, a great potentiality with Chardonnay too, especially in the region where we are now with our, with our winery. Right. Because, yeah. So... Mazon and Pinzon, a lot of Pinot Noir. Exactly. Then right where the winery, yes, where yeah. the winemaking facility, the tasting exactly. room, when you walk outside, you're in Guerlain. You're in Guerlain. And within there is... Schleier. Schleier. <laughs> right. So Schleier. tell me, those are two important vineyards, obviously. To, yeah, I mean, exactly. Schleier, we walked by 100-plus-year-old yeah, vines. Yes. I, I talked, That's impressive. Exactly. I talked to you in the beginning about the grape varietal uh, Schiava in Italian and Fernatsch in, right. in German. Uh, you have to know that the Altoise 30 years ago was planted about 70% with Schiava. It was our domestic grape varietal, but at that days, it was, was it not? Was it a commodity grape that wasn't exactly. that well made? And just that's it. Uh, a lot of quantity. I would not say low quality, but a lot of quantity. Well, there's not a lot of low quality here. It's just, exactly, it, it exactly. Could be better. Exactly. But we speak back in the 60s, 70s, and the early 80s. No? So, so was it the co-ops? Yes. That said, listen, we yeah. have to pull back on this grape and focus on others. others. So they plotted yes. the course. Yes, exactly. Okay. Why? Why? Because the, the domestic market, the Italian market, was uh, asking more and more for white wines. So from the mid-80s, late-80s, there was a large demand about white wines from the Italian domestic market. So, yeah, we changed. It's kind of a circle because red a circle. Yeah. moved to white. Exactly. And at least it grew on, exactly. you know, not yeah. moving back, yeah. but moving yeah. to more exactly. reds with but Pinot Noir. You have to consider that, that life and history is always a circle. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 yeah. It's always yeah. a circle. Um, so let's just finish up on the geography. Yeah. Uh, Guerlain and Schleier. So, yes, yeah, so you have to. So. The, the, because of the location. Yeah. Mostly red wines, right? Mostly red the, the wines. The whites are higher. Are higher. And, exactly. and these are the lower, exactly. more exactly. the exactly. flats. Exactly. As if we give a geographical position about Girland, because we, we, we didn't do it. Uh, Girland is on a, on a hillside. And it's sunny, kissed. I mean, you, you see it. Yes. You have sun for the morning. Till we the were morning. Right in exactly. The yeah. Sun. Yeah, it's beautiful. And, and uh, our main city of the region is Bolzano. And we are eight kilometers southwest on the hillside. You could see Bolzano. We can see Bolzano, yeah. yes. We yeah, can yeah, see yeah. as well the Dolomites. I mean, to live here and, and to hike here is, is just beautiful. Right? I mean, Cycling. Cycling, everything. Walking, everything. <laughs> yeah. I the mean, only thing that we miss is the seaside. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can't have everything. <laughs> no, we can't you have know? everything. I mean, exactly. It's, uh, exactly. if you live at exactly. the seaside, you may not no. always have these uh, exactly. mountain ranges or whatever. Exactly. All right, so Gerhard helps the members and the cantina yeah. make... 
and correct me if I'm wrong, about four levels of wine, Classici. The Classici, which Classici, is our, our, our entrance level wines. Exactly. Right, which is, so let's go through each one. So Classici is well, with, all the varietals. Well, not, is, yeah, no, we, we only work with varietals that suit well with our Right, terroir. which I didn't exactly. mention earlier. I mean, yeah. where other wineries, can't, co-ops are dealing with a dozen plus grapes, you're focusing on... We are focusing on five Five, grapes, five free whites, which are uh, Sauvignon, Chardonnay, and Pinot Bianco. Right. And two reds, Schiava Fernandes, and right. Pinot Noir. Exactly. Which is a bit unusual, because every well, you know you open everyone's book and there's literally I mean, a dozen plus varieties. It's, it's a tough path. It's a tough work because you have you are not the owner of the of the cooperative. So we are not the owner, me and, and the winemaker. So we have to convince our members. That's what cooperative means. But exactly, exactly. But I, I, I tell them anytime and every time when we have meetings that my aim is to give to the winery a very clear profile. Because I think that the wine world is very huge and very big, and you can't do everything. You know, you have to specialize. You have to be honest with yourself. What are our uh, well, you strength points? Focused it. We have to focus it to probably exactly. one of the exactly. know, smaller because groups, you have to which, consider, is, which I mean, is fine. We have a very strong domestic market. We sell about seventy percent of our uh, wines that we produce. We sell it in Italy and thirty percent uh, abroad. I, I want to talk to you about that when we yeah, finish and, talking about uh, yes. So, but so th- just to give you an idea, you know, when 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 we go outside, uh, our our brand ambassadors, <coughs> our sales managers, uh, they have to focus. Uh, people, if you are in New York, in Los Angeles, or Las Vegas, you can't talk about 12 grape varietals. No. They say, come but, on, boy, come on a point. I mean, but <laughs> your, me your, your yeah. fellow friendly other yeah. cantinas do that, but that's their choice. Yeah, exactly. But you, know. you, you have to focus. Uh, uh, I mean. So the cla- Classici? Classici are our entrance level wines. Right. So you're making more of them and yeah. it's... it's, it's uh, a more mass-produced wine. It's Not a, saying yeah, that in a negative yeah, way. No, 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 no. It's it's always a high-quality wine. I mean, uh, the they are, the best price point. Right? Exactly. They are, the vinification is very simple. It's a stainless steel tanks, so they are easy to drink. They are uh, everyday use wines, fresh, clean, with nice aromas. I mean, yeah. Right. So it's going to be yeah, a good wine. And then suitable. you move along yeah. to vignetti. Then have, we have the vignetti, uh, which uh, are wines where the winemaker has made the choice of single vineyards. Uh, where we have lesser yields in uh, comparison. So are exactly. they bottled this single vineyard? Uh, pardon me? The bottles have yeah. the vineyard on it. Uh, no, no. No, because you're have, dealing with multiple. Exactly, sing- he's exactly. picking the best single vineyard. Exactly, right, exactly, blended. exactly. So he's picking, he's he's going above the classici exactly. and doing that. Um, all right, and then... We have the flora. Flora, which is... Which is a step above the vignette, so lesser yields as well. And, okay. And, and, and the making of the wines is a bit different, so he uses more uh, wood barrels, 12 hectoliter barrels, 40 liter hectoliter barrels. These are some reservoirs so, in it. Exactly. Um, selection out in the field and, and wine field. making. And you wine know, making. how he did exactly. the barrels, like exactly. you said. Exactly, exactly. You know, better quality. Yeah. And then you sort of created your own crew line, yeah, Solis. Which we call Solisti, yes, because Solisti uh, in uh, in English we can say are uh, single single persons or single individuals, and these are our I would say best labels, but are the labels that have make the minery great or interesting. You know? they have their own personality, but it's it's like a basketball team. You know? There are five labels, and you have yeah good five good players, but to have a good team you have to. So Solisti is. As, 
the best players as a team turning out. Exactly. It's not a single vineyard, one guy. But, but, um, Gerhard is really looking at what's the best of the best. And is Solisti produced every year? It's not like, well, does it ever skip because of quality? Not every year. For example, our crew of uh, Pinot Noir called Vinaganger, which is a single crew in Mazon. Right, we tasted it earlier. Exactly. 2013 was not produced because uh, the You were not satisfied. No, we had some some, some, uh, hail damage. And, and and so, I mean, we picked up the grapes, but with the hail damage, the, the wine was a bit just too dry and it was not that good to fill it and say, okay, we are convinced about that. So, no, no, there you have to have a high quality and you must be sure that, that, that this is the best. So that's a good segue into what I want to ask you. When, yeah. when you know you're consciously making high quality yeah. wines the best, you know, you're fairly treating your cooperative members. Yeah. Um, you know, you're doing all the yeah. right practices and all of that. Um, don't you want these wines to reach a further net? You know, you told me 70% of them are in the market. I mean, don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you want to or you can or it's cost, but the wines are so good. Don't you want people in New York and Chicago, Florida, yeah, restaurants? Yeah, no, no. I mean, yeah. Is, is that a, well, marketing economics thing or because i would sit here and say you know what yeah. i'm not going to get into it with him because the wines are not that good and but these wines are that good yeah you know why wouldn't you want no i think that perhaps probably in three years we have we are more popular in the united states than now yes. so you're making a push yes towards of that. course yes of course but um this is a bit my philosophy because we have a very strong domestic market uh, we have a very strong uh, domestic market in the Alto Alge, not just in Italy. We, you, you see, we have, a, we have a lot of tourism. There's a lot of wine consumption in our land. So we grow in the past years. You have to know that 15 years ago, we produced about seven, 800,000 bottles. Now we are 1.8 million, approximately. So more than double. More than double, yes. But the quality was increasing as well. Right. So uh, what we want to do is uh, to s- secure the the market that we have built up in the past years. So we, we can say we, we have no wine because we are right. exporting. You don't want to abandon no. your core. So it's, it's a, a, a very low grow for the future, but obviously we are intended to, to export more. Obviously, right. obviously. Yeah. Right. Yes. Um, we hope to see that. But exporting high quality wine as a not well-known brand is quite difficult. I right. mean, yeah, because. Well, you have the critics behind you. We Anybody have to, who well, will look up the wines, well, a lot of them. I have to you, be honest, the critics, we are not looking at the critics. No, you no. shouldn't. You no, should no, make no. for yourself. I mean, the but critics. people look at the critics, <laughs> yeah, no, unfortunately, I mean, and ratings do is not, a whole yes, other issue. Do not misunderstand me. We have nothing against critics. I mean, they are doing of their course. job. But no. Of course. But we have our own philosophy. And just to give you an example, if, if I can, um, two years ago, we have presented our Pinot Noir project, project with the five labels. And there is a one a well-known critics from from uh, a guy from from Italy. He said, "Well, this this project can't work." Why? What was his hesitation? Yeah, he, he has his consideration and 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 so on and so on. And I say to him, "Listen to me. I mean, what do you think about uh, i produttori del Barbaresco? They have their crew philosophy. Well, that's great. No, I say we are doing the same. I mean, exactly. But we have to start somewhere. Is well or better, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I know that we are a little bit late in the time, yeah. but we have to start. And uh, six months ago, I, I met him again. We, we are good friends. Huh? <laughs> I met him again, and he said, "Oscar, sorry, 
I think that you were right. <laughs> oh, great. It is great. Yeah. You came around. Yeah, because I, I think um, there, is no, there is no better thing to do with wine that you can taste the terroir, that you can taste the single vineyard, that you can go then with the sommeliers, with the, with the customers, and explain then the characteristic of the soils, of the climate, of the winters as well. No? And, I, and, I agree. And, and, I mean, I, can you think of... You know, now that I spent some time here, yeah. can you think of another region in Italy yeah. where the the surrounding residents yeah. support the wine the way they do here? I mean, can you say well, that it's about difficult? It's difficult. It's it's it's. I, I mean, do other areas boast seventy percent of the no, no, no That's no, kind no, of unique, no, right? No, no. When I when I speak with my uh, colleagues from the other region, uh, it's 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 vice versa. They export 80%. Right. Yes. Right. But, yeah. In the end, it's yeah. the same amount of bottles. Exactly. I mean, it's nice to have exposure, yeah. but you exactly. know, everyone has their own exactly. business plan. Exactly. So. exactly. Um, all right. We have to wrap up. Yep. I'm going to ask everyone that I talk to um, in the next few days, and I want to get everyone's take on it. What makes the wines of the Alto Adige so special? Your perspective. Hmm. Should I be honest? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have to. Don't be too long no. either. This no, no, is no. an elevator pitch. I think the actual situation that we have in the Alto Asia is a great situation. I mean, uh, in the past 20, 30 years, we had some pioneers that have make uh, that had opened a path, a very important path. And I think that the stylistic are, 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 are a little bit more different now. No. Right. And so I, it's I, yes. I you're think starting to see things yes, happen. Yes. Um, that's an interesting point of yeah. view. I thank you for that. All right, we have to wrap up. Yep. Um, I want to thank our guest, Oscar, Oscar Larandi. Oscar oversees everything here at Cantina Guerlain, uh, a cooperative. So hopefully you understand a little more about what cooperatives are doing in the region and a little more about Guerlain. Um, and uh, thank you again, Oscar, for joining us on the Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. Yeah, thanks very much for having me, and I hope that my English was fair enough. It was great. <laughs> Okay, see ya. Today's program was brought to you by Alto Adige Wines, wines from the Italian Alps. In the northeast corner of Italy, Alto Adige is one of the country's smallest wine-producing regions, yet one of its most multifaceted. Shaped by the Alps and Dolomites to the north, and Mediterranean influences from the south, Alto Adige produces an extraordinary range of top-quality wines from more than 20 different grape varieties, and wine growers tend vineyards at elevations ranging from 600 to 3,300 feet above sea level. Considered Italy's leading white wine region, look for Pinot Bianco, Sauvignon, Gewürztraminer, and Pinot Grigio. Don't miss out on indigenous reds like Schiava, also called Vernache, and Lagrine, as well as Pinot Noir. For more information, visit www.altoadigewines.com. Campaign financed by EU Regulation 1308-2013. Welcome to the Grape Nation, your weekly wine journey. We are in the Alto Adige region in northern Italy, also known as Zutirol. Uh, we'll be touring the entire region and speaking with different wineries. Our guest is Wolfgang Klotz from Cantina Trumim. I'm your host, Sam Van Ruby. Stay with us for the Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We bring wine to the people. Wolfgang Klotz is the Director of Sales and Marketing for Cantina Tramine. Tramine? Tramine? I always... How do you say it? 
We say Tramin. Tramin. Okay. Um, so welcome to the Great Nation, Wolfgang. Thank you, Sam, for welcoming me. And, and thanks, my... thanks for sitting down. I'm looking forward to talking to you. Um, so first of all, I know we are at Gumpath, but when we're at Cantina Tramin, tell me where we are in the region. In the region of Alto Adige, we are in the pretty south part of Alto Adige. Okay. And like an hour, an hour and a half north of Verona. That's it. Closer to Verona than Milan? Closer to Verona than Mi Milan, yes. Milan, yeah. okay. All right, so give me a little history of the uh, cantina. I know that Things happened in the 70s. Was there a merger or, you know, which, walk me through. True. Yeah, the history. You know, don't take forever, I'm begging no, you. No, but, no, but, you no, know, no, give no, me no. the chronology. The, the, no, the history started much earlier. And there was also a reason why, why it started as a cooperative. And just one fact that Alto Adige has only 5,000 hectares of vineyards but it's very fractionated in the ownerships. There are 5,000 wine growers. So there's a lot of small wine growers selling the grapes, or it was like that times ago, and just a few companies buying the grapes. So the grape pricing was very, very bad. So the cooperatives basically started by necessity. By necessity with the hope to earn a little bit more and to see a future in, in viticulture. The whole thing was also pushed from the back in the times from the Austrian uh, uh, government in the general agriculture world. And so in our case, it was the parishes of the village of Tramin. Right. And he was the forcing power to, to start this cooperative. So you need to imagine there was a small group of growers. They decided instead of selling the grapes to invest in a building, in a winery, to invest together and to hire a winemaker and, and to do their own wines. And how many wines. growers was that at that point? It was, we don't exactly know how much, but it was like a handful or two. Right. So a small, it was small group. Eight, five, 10, 15, 20, 30. Exactly. It was very small. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and obviously the parishes, they also own some vineyards. They also took part of sure. this project. He, by the way, was also a, 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 a part of the parliament. Of Vienna. So he was an influential guy. He was an influential well guy. Well connected. Well connected. Yeah. And so this whole thing started more than 100 years ago. And then we had like uh, 80, 90 years of a classical cooperative winemaking way. So like cooperatives are stereotypically known. Right. Uh, easy wines, uh, bulk wines. And that's what we did up, till, up to the 70s, 80s. And then this change happened in Alto Adige in general. And so it happened also in our winery. The flip from, from predominant red to, to moving towards white. To moving back to whites. Right. And from basically, first of all, from quantity towards quality to understand the potential of the area with the new generation of the winemakers. So also in, in Cantina Tramin, a new winemaker came in. Uh, Willy Stürz, he's still the winemaker there. How long is that? 30, uh, 30 years? 30 years ago. And, and that's when what we know today about Cantina Tramin basically has a history of 30 years. So here's what I'm trying to figure out. I, I think 
there's a very unique situation here because the amount of the co-ops, the success of them. But I, I think of Burgundy, where else are there so many growers in such small plots? You know, I, the cooperative idea makes sense. It makes up, what, about 70% of the people that grow wine. I mean, how did things play out like that? Pe people didn't buy other property, you know, it, everybody has an acre, an acre, and a hectare, hectare and a half. It's, it's unusual that it stays that way and nobody's selling, it goes through the no, thing. It's, what, uh, what, why here? It's part of uh, the law system that by uh, heritage in, in, in generations, the property was always divided. So every child took pretty much the same So you part could split of it. it two, three so ways. It was, it was which split would, it, uh, crazily split, split it. And there's another reason that in the land of Tyrol, the farmers in the, all back in the Middle Age became free growers and owners of the land. If you look at Tuscany, the, the growers, they were an owner of the land. Right. They kind of rented right. it, right? And, and so you have this ownership, and with the time, they got that much divided. Uh, back in the times, without the machines, and so it was also not so easy to work five foot ten. I, I guess that's part of it too. Yeah, you so, know, it really was a family farm, and you could exactly. go out and control. Yeah. Do you think now, as then, that a lot of the people that own the property and grow grapes is that their primary focus, primary source of income, or are they doing? the vineyard and, you know, own a business or do something yeah. else. I mean, there are I mean, some, there are some. When you look around your co-op, no, is the, it mostly? No, mostly, mostly are, are, are growers. And that's their primary. And that's the, I mean, the classical way is a family that has maybe apples because we have the valley floor. And so the valley floor, we don't have any grapes. So a lot of your vineyard owners are also apple growers, exactly. right? Yeah. Right. So when you have to look at the bigger picture there, we're talking grapes and the co-op, but um, yeah. the owner. Um, I mean, I, in all my research, I think the best co-ops in the world are in Italy and pretty much at this level are here, right? When you think about, you know, we talked off air, Protatory de Barbaresco, another yeah. well-known co-op, but that's, one, you know, here you have what about a dozen? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if, if the best are here, but what's for no, sure well, is well, the only no. area let's, let's evaluate what makes the all, best. All do it on a high level of quality. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. That's so a high level and quality is among the best in that sense. And, and there is also one point of, of how can I say? luck you know in life you need also that yeah and, and maybe we are a little bit closer you know living in the mountains we are not that open-minded sometimes and so we're the, way... the next question was in general why is why is everyone so successful i mean the canteens have cantinas have flourished you know for some of these are 100 years old the hectares are still spread amongst the owners hectare hectare and a half each um is that the formula that makes it so successful? You have small owners who take pride? I mean, having small owners, for sure, 
can be a great advantage if it's handled in a proper way. Uh, why the cooperatives are doing well? Um, there's one, one, one important point for me, what very often gets forgotten is that we, yeah, being a little bit closed and everybody focused on his own thing, um, we kept the cooperatives small. So every village basically has their own, has their own because it was too, it was not uh, good. How can I say? Nobody wants to go with the next. Well, the proximity. Yeah. You don't want to drive over, you know, yeah. the valley. No, everyone is proud of what they have. So we didn't, we haven't seen this huge concentration of mergers like we've seen in most other places. Right. Where the focus was efficiency, 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 a cost reduction. And you got this huge uh, uh, cooperatives with thousands of hectares. Here, the cooperatives are small, and being small, we really can focus on quality, and we don't need to handle millions and millions of bottles. We really have a small production, small production can, that can be branded very well and can be sold in the up-tiered market. Um, do you think part of the success, you're talking about an owner that lives on the property. Maybe their kids are running through the vines. Most of the harvesting is by hand, right? Is that true? That's true. It's also uh, necessary because with the steep vineyards here, right. with the small parcels, uh, there's no really possibility to, to do right. machine But even harvest. the flat, you know, the it family is. is walking out and doing it by hand. Um, the majority of the growers, what type of farming practices are they following? Do you have guidelines? Do you mandate certain things, you know, whether yeah, it's herbicides it's, or... It's a very a complex system, um, but it's, we have a protocol where everything is defined, what can be used, what cannot be used, when it can be used within which time frame, and it's a very severe, it's much, much more severe than, than viticulture or viticulture law allows to do. Right. So we have our own, own rules. The, the growers have to follow them. The growers get, get uh, uh, um, I won't say control, but paired with the knowledge of, uh, of an agronomist. And the agronomist, he takes... That's provided by the co-op. That's provided right. by so the co-op. Right, so they get expertise for being a member. Absolutely. And they get also ratings during the year, how they do the single working parts during the year. And with that rating, how, where the vineyard is located, how the grapes look like on the end of the year, and with a severe control of the yield... And this, that will tie into what they're paid? That will tie into what they You can evaluate. Exactly. Again, it's very complex to keep it simple. The better the quality of the grapes for the cooperative is, the higher is the income for the owner, what's the grower. And that falls on the winemaker who basically is out in the field, literally talking to all the co-op members yeah, and, and assessing, uh, you know, this is a high quality vineyard. This will go into our, you know, upper level. Wine. Exactly. There we know, we know that the micro areas, then first, obviously, is the area, second, how old the wines are, third, if the wine grower is doing a proper job. And then with that plot, it's not about the grower, it's about the plot. Right. 
can be part of that uh, selection wine. And a very important difference on those quality, on that quality level, we take the risk of the quantity. So even like example in harvest period, the wine grower says, let's wait another week before harvest. The growers say, you know, there's bad weather coming in. I risk 30% of my production. And the winemaker said, you know, for those wines, we very often are on the borderline between on, on, on the risk. And sometimes you are above. And then obviously the grower will lose 30% of his production. What's a lot for them, sure. but what's part of the game for the, for the winery to get at that point of right. quality. And so the winery says, okay, we take the risk. We pay you the whole quantity on the price of the quality. But they want the quality that they need. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, so, so, you're, so you're not forcing, but you're figuring out the best mix of what's important for the winemaker, how to compensate. Yeah. Um, the, the vineyards around, where is it, Termino? Is that, yeah. Is there a huge diversity of exposures, types of soils, elevations, Within all the members, are we talking every possible situation? All the soils that you know we could name, every it's all it's it's not similar for everyone. It varies a lot. It varies a lot. For Alto Adige, still we have a quite a, a, a common uh, soil type in that area right. because we're only along the mount the, the mountain chain on left and right hand side of the valley. And so we have obviously exposition. Altitude is a big point. Right, uh, but all those vary. All those vary. Yeah. And all this with, you know, it started 30 years ago to focus on quality. First of all, it was just, we had, just to give you an idea, we had almost 80% of the vineyards, there was Chiava right. grape, and now it's six, five, six, seven percent So all the difference of so more than 70% of our vineyards, probably 80, have been re replanted in the last decades. So 80%, 70-80% was Schiava. Not, till it, not up until that long ago, right? 70s, 80s? Yeah. I mean, we're not talking like 50, 100 years ago. Are the newer varietals planted more thoughtfully? Because obviously Schiava was planted yeah. anywhere if it was One 80%. The, yeah. So now I would think the winemaker or maybe the grower would say Pino Bianco would be better here or I'm higher up, I'll stick yeah. with the whites. The, is the, is the, that... It, the big difference was, and one of the main reasons why replanting was to blend the right variety on the right place. For success, quality, for, yeah, right? Absolutely. That's the first issue. It's not about we need now we need Chardonnay or now we need No, more. no, I right. if Chardonnay won't we? grow well here, we're not exactly. putting it there. Yeah. 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 Um, and that's the winemaker decision, yeah. But so the I guess the seventies and eighties was a huge transitional period for the growers because they either pulled up a lot or grafted, changed a lot of skiava to I mean, White -white. it was... That, that must have been a tough period for... It was a very tough period. Obviously, we started with a small group, uh, more people open to new things, and, and we were very lucky that the Italian market didn't know the Alto Adige white wines. So 
pretty much every grape that was transformed in wine was like sold right away to the Italian market because they took this crisp and fresh white wines with open hands. And that was very important in the way that who was following this direction of quality production could be paid better than the others. Right, so the incentive, even though it took time for the vines to yeah. mature and bear fruit or whatever. Um, let's talk about Givert's Treminer. You can't say Givert's Treminer without saying Tremine. Yeah. And you are Cantina Tremine. Um, so although you work with, what, at least a dozen varietals, you know, within the uh, co-op and all that, and your growers, um, how important is that grape? I, I mean, I know it's connection and image, but... I mean, it's, uh, you know, Alto Adige up to the middle, middle age was three-quarter white wine production. Schiava came afterwards. Schiava came also with the modern uh, viticulture. So it was white Schiava back to white? It was white. And then they Schiava, planted Schiava and then... Back to white. Jesus. Schiava was a, a, a variety that, re that reacted very well on, on the modern viticulture, meaning quantities. So that's why it was a logical right. way to production. And, and, and so also in, in Tramin, with this long history of Gewürztamina, Gewürztamina always was disappeared. So it was, it was also a goal of... of Wait, stop there for a second. I want to ask. So when the whites were initially around, was there a lot of Gewürz around There was around a lot there? of Gewürz. So that was pulled up for the Schiava. Yeah. Um, and then when you went back to white, was there a conscious effort to plant Gewürz or does it go back to you plant the varietals in the best places? Uh, the riders in the best places where Gewürztamina was back in the times and obviously it was also a little bit, uh, 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 how can I say, a herf uh, thing, yeah. you know, going back to what really made sure. this place different right. That's, and trying it's to... It's your history, your culture, you know, your exactly. identity, yeah. right? And trying to build up something what was risked to being disappeared. And so uh, there was a big focus to re-plant re and reposition the, the Gewürztraminer. What's one of the oldest grape riders in the world, and, and, uh, and Tramin, the place of Tramin, very likely gave the variety the, the, the name, although it's, not, it's very likely not from the place. Right. We don't, there's no proof, as being so old, there's no proof where, where it really is native to. But once in, a, in the time, it came to Tramin, and from Tramin, it was brought out to the rest of Europe, and it so took the name from there. That's enough history and connection to sort of own it, right? <laughs> you could say, listen, this is ours. Here's some of the reasons yeah, uh, why. I, I mean, for us, uh, probably... Uh, it's uh, we are more happy, and it's it's even uh, more important that the area really can produce unique uh, Gewürztraminers, and it's it's uh, one of the great places to to plant and to produce so Gewürztraminers you, in the world. You, when you look at the growers and you look at a map of where mm -hmm. the growers for you know Traminas, the Cantina. Is the Gewürz spread out all over, or is there a, a pocket or a region no, where uh, there's a you know, it's a little more dense. 
Gewürztraminer has a very specific need, and so it's very, very concentrated on a certain type of terroir. Gewürztraminer loves the sun, but needs cool nights. Gewürztraminer okay. is low so in acidity. Those are the identified areas. Yeah, and risks to lose the acidity. So it's, very, it's a very sensible grape variety, and it really needs the perfect conditions to being balanced on the palate. Right. And uh, it doesn't have the margins like other grape varieties. Right. You have to be a little more specific about everything. Or it works. Otherwise, you won't get the best representation of the grape. Um, All right. So let's talk about... um, Let's talk about the wines that are, you know, made in the cantina. Um, The members are part of the co-op. The winemaker works with them to grow the fruit and then determine where. So you have three ranges of wine or how would you break it down? There's a classic range where you're able to take all your varietals. So tell me about the classic range. To keep it simple, we have uh, two levels. So the classic range where we try to have very pure and, and, and variety driven grape varieties. Oh, wines, sorry. And then we have the, the, the selection, the high-end wines, where we really try to get the terroir in the most possible way into the glass, so where we do everything possible in our hands, so in our knowledge, to get this uh, area and the uniqueness of the area into the grapes and from the grapes in a very pure and clean style. Is that... Is the difference between classic and selection, is that the winemaker looking at different growers and sites and picking either older vines or, as we discussed earlier, you know, one guy is growing a better quality grape than someone else. You'll tend yeah. to use those. Obviously, in the classic range, there's much more space for com- com- uh, compromises and right. to... to yeah, to find uh, a good but pra- practical, practical, practicable way to doing right. so. And for the for the selections, there's really we don't lose any any chance to get it even more unique. And so it starts from the very best vineyard sites with the very best growers. Um, um, the soil type to work the soil in a proper way to right. get more uh, vitality into the soil. So, but yeah. you know, we talk about the classic range like it's well, it's just the entry level or the la- it's in in this region. It's the wines are spectacular quality to value, yeah. um, how well they're made, um, and there's a lot of options with the varietals. So we we don't want to sell them short because pretty much every co-op has that entry or classic level um yeah that's uh for sure one of also one of the big advantages advantages of the cooperative system is not only the advantage for the growers there's also a big advantage for the consumer that we are very small in the vineyard size so we are really like a very small property where the family works is two one two hectares and has the time and the the, the knowledge to know what to do. That's the reality. Yeah. I mean, you just explained what makes it unique. Yeah. You have 
hundreds and hundreds of members and families that take the pride versus a guy who owns 50 acres. Not exactly. that he's not taking care of it, but it's but different when it's your family. And That's the uniqueness yeah. of the Alto Adige. But then in the production side, where being super small, it's not an advantage anymore. We work a certain amount of grapes in the way that we can keep the cost low. And that's why these classic wines, what you name, they have a lot of value in the glass for that, basically for right. that reason. Right. Um, it, it's, it's a great level to come in. And then you have a very fancy schmancy wine. Um, it is a, uh, it's, how do you pronounce it? Epocal? Epocale. Epocale, and it is, explain to me what it is. It's a Gewürz? It's a Gewürztermine. You know, with the, over the decades of Gewürztermine, what we mentioned before, we were able, I believe, to, to, to build up our own style of Gewürztermine for Alto, talking about Alto Adige, and we can, by now we can name it also the Italian style of Gewürztermine, what's a dry style of Gewürztermine, what really is his own style in the Gewürztraminer world. And on top of that, we did a special uh, project, taking back the tradition of the Middle Age, of the Bach of the Middle Age, where also here Gewürztraminer was made semi-dry. And what's common in other places of the world still today, he had got lost or transformed to the rice side. So we took that old tradition, so we made a semi-dry wine, and then we would like to show the aging potential of Gewürztamine, because Gewürztamine has an impressive aging potential. So we took, we take, and we, when we started, we took the, the wine, we bottled it about like a year after fermentation and, and lease contact for a year in stainless steel. It gets bottled, and then we bring it to a very special place to age. As we don't have the, the space in the winery, we were looking for an alternative. And so we found an old mine. Silver mine, right? A silver mine on the border to Austria on about 6,000 feet. And there is this mine going in for almost four miles into the mountain. And here we find... Uh, perf, yeah, we can almost say so you perfect. Have altitude, altitude, darkness, quiet, darkness, humidity, quiet, or, or humidity the in ninety-five. Okay, uh, less oxygen for the oxygen for the for the altitude and and being in the mine, and constant eleven degrees, with no cost naturally. of energy naturally, right. no cost of energy, for six to seven years. And then we take this wine and sell it uh, after that. And the time frame is uh, very important for this wine because when it's young, it really tastes sugary. In fact, after the first vintage, we went down with the residual sugar. What was a little mistake, but because the six years in those conditions kind of. Yeah, the sugar, the, the sugar gets transformed in power and the wine gets and the balance was what's unique. So we, have, we find by the end a very important rich wine, but was, what has a beautiful elegance 
And I tasted it yesterday. You tasted it yesterday. Perfect. And when I tasted it, I didn't know what to expect. And the word elegant is the word. Because, you know, you, I don't know if you expect a sweet wine or an aged mm. wine. And Gewürz has its own characteristics. Yeah. So how much of, you know, that is there. It, it's a beautiful, elegant wine. My druthers are that you don't make a lot of it. And it's expensive, but the expensive part doesn't bother me because we know some great wines are yeah. never going to be cheap. And you see the time and effort that goes into it. I mean, it. the expensive, yeah, there are not so not, much not bottles. And the expensive is a little bit out of our hands because we don't sell it that high price, actually, from the winery. Right. But it's one right. of it, probably the only Italian white that, that has his secondary market uh, uh, grow. Like and, Burgundy. <laughs> It's crazy what a bottle of Burgundy costs. Yeah. It didn't come out of the, uh, you, you know, the winery at that point. Um, but it's E-P-O-K-A-L-E, Epocale. If you ever see that, you know, you heard it here. It's a, it's a very special wine. Um, Wolfgang, we have to wrap up, but I want to ask you, as I'm asking everyone, um, in your thoughts and words what makes the wines of the region so special uh, the area we are we we have the fortune to be in a very unique place we are in the hearth of the alps we are like an hour and a half driving in mount into the mountains where usually or generally there's no it shouldn't be viticulture it shouldn't be mountains and in fact there are glaciers behind of us Vegetation st starts later in the year. And then there is this open room, what's very unique for the south side of the Alps. <clears throat> and in this open room, we find a valley, large valley, the only large valley of the Alps on the south side. We have got 300 sunny days a year and still having the mountains behind. And that's what I believe you taste in the wines. You have powerful, ripe, Wines driven with a ripe fruit, but a good acidity, but not that super sharp acidity, but it's a soft acidity, a combination of sun and mountains and I, crisp wines, yeah. I mean, that's a great answer because the initial way you answered the question was place. Here's the place we're at. And now that you understand the place, here's the wines that we make. And inevitably, it always comes to acidity, freshness, you know, that preciseness. Yeah. So I, I think there's a lot of everyone I've spoken to, it always comes to the same thing, which is what makes this uh, area unique. Um, we got to wrap it up. I want to thank our guest, Wolfgang Klotz from Cantina Tremine, for joining us on the Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. Thank you for your time, Wolfgang. Thank you, Sam and enjoy your time here in Alto Adige. We're having a great time, <laughs> thanks. If you have a question, suggestion, wine happening, or event, hit me up at samatthegrapenation.com. That's samatthegrapenation.com. Subscribe to the Grape Nation podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Leave a review if you like the podcast. Follow us on Instagram at SBenRuby and on Twitter at BenRuby. You can always use the hashtag the Grape Nation to find us on both. We are on Facebook at the Grape Nation. Thank you to all our guests from the Alto Adige region in Italy. Thank you to our engineer, Armin, and everyone at the Heritage Radio Network. 
Also, the EU, this campaign was financed by EU regulation 1308-2013. I'm Sam Ben Ruby, and you've been listening to The Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. The Grape Nation is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.